Well, I want to talk today about the church that I dream of. I want to do uh, just a little bit of vision casting here today. And uh, that, that church is found, it's not like we have to invent something new, but that church is found in Ephesians 4. It's the church that Jesus dreams of. It's the church that Jesus has a vision for. It's the church that Jesus wants to see happen. And that's the church that we dream of. So I encourage you to find Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 15 and 16. But that entire chapter of Ephesians 4 is kind of fills out the vision of what Jesus has for his church. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It's a great picture. It really describes health and uh, some strength and positive things that are going on within the body called the church. Now, you can, you can ask yourself, what kind of dreams do you have? You know, and, uh, like I said, you might have a dream job that you're dreaming of or a dream home or vacation or, you know, dream family. You know, what are the kind of things that you dream about? Now, there's something important about dreams that we have. Now, they can be a dream and they just kind of be a daydream that we do nothing about. Or they can be, you know, dreams that motivate us and move us to action so that they become a reality. Now, we can just kind of dream and dream and dream and hope and dream uh, and never lift a finger in terms of moving towards that goal or that thing that we dream of. But it really depends on how deeply we want to realize that dream. You know, it, it doesn't happen just because we want it. It will cost us something, and uh, maybe it will be exhausting, and we will have to delay gratification of other things and other opportunities that come along so that we might be able to press on and, and uh, move forward towards the dream that, that uh, we deeply hold in our heart. And so, you know, I want to cast some vision today about what it means to be that kind of church, the church that you dream of. What kind of church would you want to attend? What kind of church do you want to be involved in? And what does that look like? You know, we opened the, the, the year 2022 with the theme of Press On. And, and, you know, the idea that comes from, you know, the Apostle Paul, Ephesians, or sorry, uh, Philippians chapter 3, is that, you know, despite all of the things in the past and some of the things that we've lost and, and all of that, we forget those things which are behind, but we press on to those things which are ahead. And uh, that's just kind of the theme that I feel in my spirit. I've been feeling that for the past year and, and uh, even into 2022 now. I just feel like we just need to keep pressing on, keep moving forward, overcome whatever obstacles. And, and let's not settle for status quo. You know, especially at church, you know, status quo, you know, we can just kind of come in and kind of not awake yet and, you know, sit there and, you know, everything's a blur. Or we can engage with it. We can engage in worship. We can engage in uh, reaching out to one another. We can engage with the Word of God as it's preached and keep moving forward and believing God 
that he has called us to this time and to this place to be here to create something that he gave us the picture of, the plan for, the the vision of uh, so long ago. You know, we started this theme of press on and uh, keep moving forward. You know, a couple of Sundays ago, we, we uh, spoke on the five laws of sowing and reaping. You know, that uh, is still in force. That's still in force. In 2022, whether you think you are or not, you are sowing seeds for your future. And that future will be determined by what you are sowing in your life today. And if you are sowing nothing, your reaping will be nothing. <laughs> And, you know, even if you're sowing nothing, you are still sowing. Because we always get the return on whatever it is that we sow. You know, that's in force and in power for us. So not only personally in our lives, but also for church. Um, Last Sunday, Pastor Scott gave us some key points to press on in 2022. You know, as I was making these notes, you know, I was able to just recall those. Number one, embrace the truth that God loves you, okay? I think that that's fundamental for motivating and actuating us. You know, if we feel that somehow God doesn't like us or doesn't want us or has rejected us in some way, I, I don't think we can go anywhere with that. But let's embrace the truth that God loves us. Number two, God equips us for victory. What would you do if you knew you could not fail? I think that's a great question. Well, you know, there's a lot of things that we dream of, but we think, I, I, you know, I just, I just can't, you know, do that because, you know, basically we're afraid of failing. But what would you do if you knew you could not fail? I think when it comes to the church, God has not given us a destiny and a mission to fail. What could we do if we knew we could not fail? We can do this. God has a plan and equips us for victory, and then that's God's plan for us, number three. And so I, wanna, I want us to embrace these things, and I want us to, you know, there's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a dreary atmosphere around here right now, you know. It's overcast, it's raining when it's supposed to be snowing, it's melting when it's supposed to be freezing, and, and there's that whole backdrop of, you know, Omicron and, and all of those things. You go to the grocery store, and that's not an exciting experience anymore. <laughs> you know, empty shelves and high prices, right? And uh, so there's just kind of this malaise that can envelop us, and uh, we have to kind of just press on uh, from that. We've got to just move forward and grasp and realize the dream that God has. So I want to do some sowing today because I want to reap the harvest that I dream of. I want to sow according to the dream that God has given us. I want to sow uh, what it would take to have a church that we all dream of being involved in. And I want to press on to what Jesus has for us. You know, what does that look like? You know, I I want to attend a church that is healthy. I think the the word health and church ought to be married together. Hmm? I want a church that is just a benefit when we show up, when we attend, when we are involved, that we are better for it. You know, that's, that's what I dream of. I want to attend a church that loves Jesus. <laughs> I want a church that is all about Jesus. You know, I would like to even change our language a little bit. I, you know, get nitpicky here. But, you know, I, I think it's important, you know, we, we often pray to God, and that's good. But it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Change your language. When we pray, let's pray 
to Jesus, okay? Now, Jesus is God. We get that. But I'm not trying to make a major point here. But I want our church to all be about Jesus and embrace him. I want a church that, that welcomes and loves the Holy Spirit. I want a church that welcomes and loves people. I want to attend a church that loves to minister to children. I want to attend a church that changes people's lives. I want to attend a church that, that you are proud to attend. I want to attend a church and dream of a church that you cannot help but invite your friends to. You're that excited about it. And that's what I believe that God has in mind for his church, is that we are a place of health. We're a place where people's lives change for the better. We're a place that, that where people come and they grow into that plan that God has for each individual. And that's the kind of church that Jesus dreams of. It's the kind of church I believe every person deeply longs for. I, I, I think every person deeply longs for a church that, that we just described, you know, that, that uh, is healthy, that is strong, that is interactive, that has relationships, that, that uh, reaches out to people, that's inclusive, that, that uh, brings people together. We all deeply long for a church like that. So let's be that church, amen? <laughs> Let's just be that church. We see somebody we don't know, let's just inter engage them. Let's just interact with them. I want to be right front. It, it will cost us something to do this. And anything worth doing will cost you. I've had a lot of cheap products. Didn't cost me much. And I've gotten what I've paid for. Hmm? I can just, you know, I can give you all kinds of stories of things, you know, this is what I really want. It's really nice. It's good quality. It's, it's well made. It, it'll last, but it's expensive. So I've always talked myself out of that, and I go over here, and I think, well, this is kind of the same thing. It's not as nice, and it's not as good a quality, but it's less expensive, and so that's what I get. And all the whole time I'm using that thing, I'm thinking of the other thing I still really want. And I'm using this thing, it's inferior, the quality isn't as good. And so, and so you know, I, I need to just start with the target. <laughs> this is what I want. And even if I have to stop and save longer to get it, that's what I should get. You know, and, and becoming the church that Jesus dreams of, becoming the church that you dream of, it's going to cost us. But do we want the cheap imitation? Do we want the thing that's not satisfying? Do we want the thing that's not really what we want? Let's just kind of set our eyes on what it is that Jesus wants for his church, what we want for ourselves and for our families and for our friends. And, and let's just say, you know what? We're going to pay the price for it. And I appeal to those today who want a church that they long for and are willing to pay the price. Some people, you know, come to church and expect perfection, and if you are here today and you came thinking that you are, you know, looking for the perfect church, I'll just tell you, this is not the perfect church, okay? Sorry to burst your bubble, sorry to disappoint you, not the perfect church. As soon as people entered the building, it's not a perfect church, right? Because we bring all of our baggage and our flaws and all of those things with us when we come and, and all. But, you know, there are no perfect churches. They don't exist, and unfortunately, as soon as we step inside the church and we bring all our perfections with us, it ruins the idea of perfect church. You know, the church is always becoming. We are always in process. We are always becoming. You know, the framers of the Constitution in the United States, you know, there's this preamble, and it starts out this way. 
it says that we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, and it goes on, a more perfect. That's in English, I think the equivalent in the Greek language, and we get this a, a lot in scripture, of the imperative to, you know, when the Bible talks about uh, be filled with the Spirit, in English that comes across as be filled, like, okay, now you're filled and then that's it. And that's a one-time thing. But what the Greek language is implying there is keep on being filled with the Spirit, okay? It's the perfect present imperative, I think is what it's called. Is that right, Pastor yes. Scott? Okay, it's the perfect present in imperative. In other words, keep on being filled. And, and so it is with the church. We are continuing uh, to be perfected. You know, in, in the preamble of the Constitution, it says, you know, we have come together as the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union. I think that describes what the process of the church is all about. We are we're here to form a more perfect church. And that means keep on perfecting. Keep moving. And, you know, we, uh, we can engage that. Uh, you know, and what Ephesians chapter 4 describes so well is that pressing on to obtain what this dream that Jesus has given us for the church that he established, that we are a part of, that we can become. And so as we strive to become more perfect, that is our goal. So it is with the church. And, you know, the costs of realizing the goal of church are many. And I want to address three today because it really begins with us. Uh, it doesn't uh, always begin with a pastor. It doesn't always begin with, you know, staff or the programs or, you know, ministries of church. It starts with people. It starts with you. It starts with me as individuals that pay the price, that understand the cost, and we embrace it and we move into it. It is like, um, very much like investing. If you dream of retirement in your future, you know, you can do all the dream, you know, if, if you have a retirement in your mind that you're dreaming of, you can do all the things that you dream of in retirement. There will be costs for that, okay? There'll be costs that you pay today for future results. And, uh, you know, uh, along the way, uh, as if you watch the, uh, the stock market, uh, you know that this, the last week was not an up week in the stock market, okay? It lost a lot of ground. And, and that's, that's the nature of investing. And sometimes when we invest ourselves in the church, we don't always get a return. Not every day is an update. You know, sometimes it's just costing us today. You know, like investing in the stock market. If every day was an update in the, in the stock market, uh, we'd all be on board, you know. But some of us are afraid, you know. It's like, what if we lose money, you know. That's always the risk. And that's something that, that we have to know is one of the obstacles in becoming the church that you dream of. There's risk in us moving forward to become the church that Jesus dreams of. So let's talk about risk. And at the basis of risk is the fear of rejection. You know, if we put ourselves out there, we reach out, and we don't get the return we're looking for, we feel this sense of rejection. And, and, uh, and really, that stands in the way of becoming the church that Jesus wants us to be. Our greatest fear stands in direct opposition to what we long for most, you know, this fear of rejection is probably on the, in, in the top three fears that we all fear. 
they say the number one fear is the fear of, you know, public speaking. And, uh, and I can attest to that. <laughs> I, can, I can, I relate to that. You know, it's like, I know y'all here, um, but, you know, you put me in a new place in a different circumstance and I feel it all over again. Um, but, you know, among those top fears that we face is the fear of rejection. We just absolutely can't stand it. And we will avoid it at all costs. But you know what Jesus requires of us? If we're going to become the church that he dreams of, if we're going to become the church that you deeply long for, he demands of us facing that risk of rejection. Jesus had to face the same risk. In fact, it was prophesied um, in Isaiah of the Messiah who would come. And it says, and he was despised and rejected of men. The very people he came to save rejected him. They did not thank him for what he did. They did not want him here. They rejected him. But he came anyways and he died for our sin that you and I might have salvation, that you and I might have hope of eternal life. We face rejection every time we put ourselves out there to meet someone, to talk to someone. We'd rather stay in our comfort zone. We'd rather stay back and hold out and, and uh, let other people introduce. You know, we always reserve the right for someone else to make the first move. It's one of the hardest of all things, you know, when, when, uh, when we long for deep, meaningful, authentic relationships, it is probably the hardest thing of all to create. We can do services in church, but creating relationships, now that's hard work. I think the risk is, you know, and the thing that we fear is we don't want to be all in for fear of being rejected. And yet, how can we be authentic and have something meaningful if we are always hedging our bets? You know, we, we tend to want the other person to be all in while we kind of reserve the right to play it safe and to let, you know, others do the accepting of us. There's just risk. And that stands in the way of the church that Jesus dreams of. That stands in the way of the church that we deeply long for. It's unavoidable in achieving what we want the most. And, and that's one of the costs, is risk. We're going to have to risk something. If you go to any retirement counselor, some financial counselor, they'll tell you, you just have to accept a certain level of risk if you want uh, some level of return. And uh, the, the higher the return you want, the higher the risk. You know, if you, if you don't care about the return, well, you can just go put your money in the bank and, uh, and get nothing. You know, that, what, what is the interest rate in the bank? It's below 1%, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, if you put $10 in the bank, you're going to get, you know, a hundredth of a cent back in, in uh, re, you know, return for that. And, uh, you know, that's not much return, but it's not much risk. So if we want to, to realize the thing that we want and deeply long for and what Jesus dreams of, we've got to put it out there. Uh, second cost, uh, first is risk. The second is time. There's a time requirement. Like any investment, you know, time is a necessary quality. I would love to go to the financial advisor today and say, okay, I want to, re to retire fabulously uh, by tomorrow. So what can you do for me? You know, it takes time. And the more time we have, the, the bigger the, the return that we realize. So like any investment, time is a necessary quality. We all want instant. We all want dynamic. We all want it right now. Um, you know, we all want to win the lottery of relationships. 
And we're often disappointed when it doesn't happen on the first try. You know, relationships take time. And in church, the church that Jesus describes there of, of the church interactive with itself, interdependent, taking care of the needs of one another in the church building, it just requires some time. You know, relationships take time. Being safe, being honest, being authentic, all take time to discover. And we need to give relationships time. We need to create events. You know, Pastor Scott is putting together this uh, Valentine's event, and uh, that's a great place to invest some time. You know, we got a Pinewood Derby coming up, you know, and is it really about watching little wooden cars go down the track? Well, for some people it is, but um, <laughs> no, it's really about an excuse to get together. It's a, it's a great time to invest some time. And, uh, and when we invest time, there will be a return on that. It's one of the costs, you know, and I'd like to say this, you know, we're not as busy as we once were, right? <laughs> Hasn't the, the pandemic kind of slowed things down a little bit? <laughs> we are people who make choices about and the priorities of our time. And if we have something that we dream of, something that we deeply long for, there's risk and there is the cost of our time. Number three is this, consistency. That's a cost involved in achieving the church that Jesus dreams of. You just have to be there. You know, we can't spend one, what, what's the, they've, they keep redefining, they keep moving the goalposts of, of what ch regular church attendance means. You know, regular church attendance was, you know, you're there Sunday morning, you're at Sunday school, and then you're at morning service, and then you're at evening service, and then you're there Wednesday night, or, you know, midweek service. That was, and you do that every week of the month. And, uh, you know, that was what we called, you know, regular attendance at church. Then it, you know, fast forward, uh, it was like, well, regular attendance at church now, what's considered regular attendance is two times a month they show up at morning worship. And now we're told that regular attendance at church is once a month. And, uh, you know, if we keep moving the goalposts here, it's going to be once every three months and then once a year, you know, Christmas and Easter, I guess. And we can just shut the doors the rest of the time. You know, consistency is going to be a cost and it's related to time and it's related to risk and all of those things you know um, with investing your sowing is the is most productive when it's done consistently over time you know any financial counselor will tell you that you know it's like oh I don't want to put my money in the market because the market's going down you know they uh, they say this the very best day for you to start investing was 20 years ago. Do you want to know the second best day to start investing? Today. <laughs> Today. Just start investing and do it consistently over time. It's just one of the costs. It's just built in. And, uh, you know, expect the harvest that we dream of if we only sow once or sporadically, it's the harvest you will receive. Most likely, it will reflect that. In creating and building authentic and meaningful relationships, it takes consistency. And when you're not there, it's like a down day in investing. You lose ground. So becoming the church that we dream of, being part of its interconnectedness, it takes some risk, it takes consistency, and it takes time. And the question is, how much do we want it? And the key is people coming together in authentic, meaningful ways. So, 
What can we do to mitigate risk? I want to make just one point here, and we're coming up on time today, so we'll, uh, we'll not prolong this. But what do we need to do to mitigate risk? Uh, we'll start with this, this first thought is learn how to love others before you know them, okay? That's hard. It's really hard. You know, others are people that, you know, we, we just want to kind of watch. We want to just observe, you know. We don't want to just embrace somebody right away. You know, we kind of want to check them out. I'm glad that Jesus didn't wait to love me, to check me out. Because you know what? I'd still be on the outside, <laughs> If he was just going to hold back and, and observe me uh, and see if I was worth investing in it, I'd still be on the outside. But what does Scripture say? That he loved us before we loved him. We used to sing that chorus, I love him, I love him, because he first loved me. That's a truth. That is a truth. Pastor Scott preached it last Sunday that God loves us. and doesn't wait for us to qualify for his love. He just loves us. And if we can reflect that, is that we can learn to love others before we know them. Jesus teaches us how to love others. You know, do, do we just kind of flip a switch somewhere in our mind or heart and just start loving others? I wish it was that easy. We first love God with all of our heart. We first love God with all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. And what is the outcome of that? Is that we love our neighbor as ourself. Jesus answered that question. What's the greatest of all the commandments? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. To love our neighbor as ourself. The dream church begins with a people who love God without fear of looking foolish, without fear of judgment, without fear of rejection. The Apostle John has much to teach us about loving God and loving others. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Mm. That's a great verse. Perfect love casts out fear. So we can tell the strength of our love by how afraid we are to engage others. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. First John 4, in the same chapter, down a couple of verses, 420, it says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And for time today, we're going to close this message here, but not without this challenge. We're going to receive communion today. And, and in the greatest spirit of what the communion represents is that unfettered, unreserved love for Jesus. That's where we want to be. Because when our love is perfected in him, our love comes to meet other people. And so today, if you would stand, Pastor Scott and Pastor Joshua, we're going to serve you today at the head of the aisle. If you would just step into the aisle and, and come forward, they will serve you this morning. And I want to just put God on notice. I just want to put Jesus on notice that we want what he wants. We want to be the church that he dreams of. We want to be the church that we dream of. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Jesus, I pray there'd be a deep desire within us that each of us, Lord, would want the same thing that you want. The church that you left us a blueprint for. The church that you saw and gave us the vision for. Lord, we pray today as we receive this communion, we would be truthful to say, Jesus, we love you. 
and we love others. And we would be willing to risk rejection. We would be willing to spend the time and we would be willing to do it consistently. So Lord, today as we hold this bread, I pray that this would be a truthful act on our part to say that we love God. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, thank you that you risked rejection so that I might find salvation. Thank you that you did the most costly thing and gave your life on the cross, that we might participate in eternal life. Lord, we hold this bread today that is the mechanism that causes us to remember. It brings us right back here, Lord. You gave your life for the church. Now let us give our lives for your church as well. We thank you for this bread in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat this bread together. In the same manner, he took also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And Lord, once again, we acknowledge you, Jesus. So we hold this cup represents the blood that you spilled to purchase our salvation, our redemption. Lord, by participating in this, we're declaring that we love you. Let that be reflected in how we love others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink this cup. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, I don't know what you dream of as far as the church. You want it to be fun, you want it to be interesting, you want it to be full of friends. Then let's go do that. That's the church I dream of. Church that's changing a community, changing lives and people for the better, for the glory of God. That's the church I want to be a part of. And I want to realize that. And we can move forward. We're going to be perfecting that every Sunday of 2022. Okay? And uh, I want you to be a part of that. Heavenly Father, help us on this. Lord, we've been pulled apart. We've been separated, been isolated so many times. And Lord, can't even see each other's faces. But Lord, bring us together and let us be the catalyst for that. Lord, that we would desire the very same thing that Jesus desires. And that's a church that is interconnected and self-supporting and dependent on you, Jesus, each and every day. Help us to achieve that goal, that dream. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. And do greet one another. And as you leave today, God bless you.